Please open to the book of Proverbs, chapter 3. Today we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 12. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, as we continue our study. While you're opening to that text, I just want to report, um, I know many of us were able to go out and walk at Love Life yesterday, a little bit rainy at the beginning, but turned out to be a sunny day. And uh, we, we heard back from the leadership there at Young Life, I want you to know that three ladies chose life yesterday. Praise the Lord. You can always keep that on your hearts and minds um, for prayer. If you're able, please stand and honor the reading of God's holy word. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father the son in whom he delights. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that this is the word of God true in all that it says and teaches, the only rule for faith and practice. Lord, may our ears and our minds and our hearts be open, ready to receive it this day. May we, as the Proverbs have taught us, incline our hearts unto Thee. Lord, if there's one here today who doesn't know Jesus, I pray for that one today, that he or she may come to know You. And for believers, we pray, God, that we would worship You through the preaching of Your Word, and that you would grow us and mold us and change us to be formed into the image of Christ. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. In all my years of coaching, one of the things that I enjoyed most about being a coach was striving to get the very, very best out of all my players. I wanted to coach players in such a way that they would give full effort, put their whole heart into it, and not leave anything back. I used to tell my football players, leave it on the field. Whatever you got, leave it on the field. Don't take anything else with you. Put everything into it. Give everything with all you've got. Even my coaches, and maybe think about your coaches. Did you ever have someone, maybe a coach or a parent or a teacher, challenge you maybe to give more than what you're giving? I can think back and, and think about certain coaches that said, Hey, Adam, you, I can see you're not giving 100% out here. I need you to give more. I need you to give everything you got. I want a wholehearted 
approach. No partial effort, but your whole heart. I appreciated people like that in my life. Um, Yet in much the same way, God comes to every one of us today. And you know what he asks us for? Our whole heart. God says to us in this passage today, trust in the Lord with all your heart. God doesn't want part of us. God wants all of us. Think about over through the scriptures how God in the Bible has asked us for our whole hearts. When Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? What was his response? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind. Jesus didn't just say, hey, come give God part of your life and you keep the other part to yourself. He says, no, love me with your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole soul, all your strength. When Paul's writing to the Colossians, he says to them, whatever you do, do it heartily with all your heart, with everything you got. Put it in as if you're doing it unto the Lord. Today, again, we get to that passage, a passage I'd I'd say over half this congregation has this verse memorized. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Beloved, we see in this text the lordship of Jesus Christ. We see what it means to be a follower of God. God wants our whole hearts. And as we walk through this text together, these first 12 verses, I want you to see three things about giving your whole heart to the Lord. First of all, in the first four verses, Solomon teaches us, don't forget, but keep. Don't forget, but keep. Secondly, in verse 5, he teaches us to trust in the Lord. And in the latter part of this text, he teaches us that final point, don't despise the Lord's discipline. So as we all examine our hearts and giving all of our heart to the Lord, let us first look at this first point about following Christ. It says, don't forget, but keep. Look back with me. Let's reread verse 1 of this text. Verse 1 says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commands. Do not forget, but let your heart keep my commands. Are you a forgetful person? Do you need reminders? Well, look what I brought with me today. What is that? It's a post-it note. You know, these things, I researched them a little bit, started being invented in the late 60s, kind of came out officially in the 70s. The post-it note, these little yellow sticky pieces of paper where you can maybe write something down on these sticky notes. So 
if you're forgetful, have you done this? If you're forgetful, you, you take a post-it note and you, you write a little note to yourself and you stick it somewhere, you're going to see it so you won't forget, so you'll remember. I have these everywhere. They're everywhere in my home office. They're in my church office. This is a little bigger than your standard uh, post-it note. This is a little bigger, has lines on it, because you don't want to write crooked, right? You want to write straight on your post-it note. That's, that's the way I do it. Probably annoying, <laughs> but that's the way I do it. But did you know that, that now you don't even need um, a post-it note because you can actually remind yourself on your smartphone. I, you know, I looked up um, this week, I looked up how many different apps there are for forgetful people. Here, th- these were some of the names of the, of the apps I found. I found the Remind app. There's Reminder for School Communication app. Remind My Life app. Counting Down to Remind. There's Remind Me, Remind You, Remind It there's Remind Me to Brush My Teeth app. Do you need that? <laughs> so I stopped counting after I got to Remind Me to Brush My Teeth. But the point is, is that we're forgetful, aren't we? Man, we need reminders. We need sticky notes. And we even need apps on our phone to tell us what to do. Why? Because we don't want to forget. There's things in our life that we don't want to forget, so we do whatever we got to do, sticky note, app on your phone, whatever we got to do to remind ourselves not to forget. Beloved, right here in the text today, verse 1 of this text, read it. My son, do not forget. Christians, young people, we need to be mindful of the teaching that God gives us through His Word. We need to be mindful of the teaching that our parents give us at home, that your teachers, your pastors at church give you. You need to be mindful of all of these things so that you do not forget. The Old Testament speaks more about this. We have a verse in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 11. Deuteronomy says, Take care lest you forget the Lord, your God, by not keeping His commandments and His rules and His statutes, which I command to you today. You see the first two words, take care. That means get yourself a sticky note. Get yourself an app. Whatever you got to do, take care so that you do not forget what you've been taught in the Word of God. We continue with another verse This is Proverbs. This is the next chapter in Proverbs. This is Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 and 21. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. So the Bible over and over has this command. Don't forget. Make these things of God a priority in your life. And by the way, it's not just don't forget, it's keep them. In other words, don't just remember them, but actually keep them. Apply them to your life. First, again, verse 1 of Proverbs 3. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart, what? Keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. This is application to life. 
So set priority not only to remember the things of God, but apply them in your life. We've talked a lot about reminding ourselves today by writing on a sticky note, writing in the app on your phone. Do you have a tablet? Anybody have a tablet at home? Maybe a, a Samsung tablet, an, a, an iPad, some kind of tablet, and you'll maybe write things on your tablet at home. I want you to see that Scripture actually talks about a tablet in this section, but it's not a, an iPhone, it's not an iPad, it's found in verse 3. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. You see, the reminder that God wants you to have is not to put on a really a sticky note or your iPhone. It's to write on the tablet of your heart so that you do not forget not only to know the things of God, but to keep the things of God in your life. If you're here today, you're a young person, maybe you're graduating from high school, getting ready to go to college, maybe you're in college. If that is you today, listen to this text. Because that's a moment of your life where you're going outside the reins of your, of your parents and you're moving off to have some independence. And it's many times during that time of life that you forget and that you don't keep that which you've been instructed. You find this new independence, you don't know what to do with it, and it's easy to forget the things that you had just learned because so many new things are happening in your life. Is that, if that is you today, listen to this text. Listen to your parents as they would tell you, my son, do not forget my teaching. My daughter, do not let your heart fall away from the things of God. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Keep them. That would be our prayer for you. But secondly today, not only does this text challenge us to not forget and keep, but to trust in the Lord. Look at verses 5 through 8 with me one more time. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and turn away from evil. We'll actually stop right there. The Bible tells us today to trust in the Lord. As we walk through these verses about trust in God, I want you to know that the Bible says four things about trusting the Lord. Here they are. We'll walk through them one by one. It says that we should trust the Lord completely, selflessly, constantly, and fearfully. The first one. Trust the Lord completely. Look at chapter or verse 5, the first part. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Thank you for your patience a moment ago as Blair read from Second Chronicles. I know that was a long passage about King Jehoshaphat. But I asked him to read that passage because within that Old Testament text, you have a king who was put in a situation where, man, he really had to trust the Lord. 
Let's talk about what was going on in that text. You see, the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Minyanites, the Bible says they were coming. They were coming for war. They were coming to attack Jehoshaphat. And the Bible says that Jehoshaphat was afraid. But he set his face to seek the Lord. He even set a fast in all of Judah. And in Jehoshaphat's prayer, he prayed and exalted God. He thanked God for his mighty works. And Jehoshaphat acknowledged his limits before God. He said, God, we are powerless. And he even said this, if you caught this in the text. He said, Lord, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Man, that's trust. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. He completely trusted God, not knowing what was going to happen. He said, God, my eyes are on you. And he learned, as we read, to not be afraid, to not be dismayed, because the battle belonged to the Lord. But he teaches us something about trust, about complete trust in God. Is that in life, life is not always going to be easy. God will never tempt us, but God will test us. God will allow trials to come into our lives. He absolutely did that to Jehoshaphat. He did that to his own son, allowed trials in his life. But in the midst of that, God wants his people to call out and to rely upon him. And in Jehoshaphat's honesty, he says, Lord, I don't know what to do. But hey, my eyes are on you. I'm trusting you completely. And Jehoshaphat shows us what the posture of trust looks like. What is the posture of trust? It's a prayerful posture. He prayed to the Lord. It's a fasting posture. He denied himself certain things so he could focus his trust on God. It was a worshipful posture. He praised and exalted God in the midst of trial. And he showed us what total, complete belief and trust in God looks like. You know, I think... The hard thing for you and me is that uh, many times we try to compartmentalize our lives. We say, God, I will trust you with this, but I, I won't trust you with that. It reminds me of a story. Have you ever had an, an unexpected guest arrive at your house? Your doorbell rings. You didn't know someone, someone was coming. So you go to the door and and you answer the door, and ah, it's, it's someone that you know. And you didn't expect them to come, but they're there, so you invite them in, and they stand in your foyer, and they talk maybe for a minute, or maybe you let them sit in the family room. But you're thinking in your mind, man, I hope this person doesn't stay long. I like him, but I just don't want him to stay long. And I really hope that he doesn't walk in my kitchen, because it's a mess. 
And if for some reason he or she wanted to go down the hall and look into the bedrooms or the closets, man, I really don't want that because there's some things back there that I just don't want them to see. There's a mess in my back room, and if I see that, I might be embarrassed about that. I really hope that they stay just for a little while right here in my foyer, and then it's time for you to go. Glad to see you, but it's time... Anybody ever have that experience or something like that? I think we've all had that experience. I know we've had uninvited guests come to our house, and our house is a mess, especially with a bunch of kids. But church, sometimes we act like that with the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. We compartmentalize our lives. We say, Jesus, we want you to come into my heart, into my house But Jesus, I just want you to stand right here in the foyer. I want you to just stay right here in the living area. This is what I want you to see about my life. But Jesus, this is all I want to give you. Because there's some other parts of my life. There's some bedrooms and some closets in the back that are just a complete mess right now. I just want to trust you with this spot. I don't want to trust you with these other rooms in my house. Jesus, you just stay here. Don't come back in my house because right now I'm compartmentalizing my life. And we treat Jesus like that uninvited guest. Beloved, the Bible comes to us today and it teaches us about lordship. You see, in the lordship of Jesus Christ, he doesn't just want part of our lives. He wants all of your life. He doesn't want part of your hearts. He wants your whole heart. He says, love me with all, all of your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Trust in me with all your heart. Every part of who you are, God says, you lay it at the feet of King Jesus. Jesus is in the business of helping and forgiving and restoring broken people like us. And he wants us to trust him with everything that we are. Every single one of us, including me, has places. We know we don't want Jesus to go. Those rooms, those closets. But Jesus says to us today, trust me, trust me with all your heart. The Bible talks to us. We're going to put a few more verses on the screen about... God's view of a divided heart. This is Matthew, or excuse me, Psalm, Psalm 119, verse 13. It says this, I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. In Matthew 6, this is the words of Jesus in verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. The Bible says that we're to trust God completely. He doesn't want a divided, compartmentalized heart. He says, trust me completely with all your heart. But secondly, he says, trust me selflessly. Look at verse 5 and verse 7, the end of the verses. Do not lean on your own understanding, says verse 5. Verse 7 says, be not wise in your own eyes. Trust God selflessly. What is our first inclination 
to trust. The Bible says it's ourselves. Isaiah 53 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. We desire to trust ourselves, look at our own way. It reminds us of the book of Judges, doesn't it? Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. We'll put another proverb up on the screen. This is Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. It says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. What the Bible is telling us is that if we just trust ourselves selfishly, and we don't trust God in a selfless way, the end will be the way of death. So where does this hit home with us? That there's going to be times and places in life where you feel like doing one thing. Your own inclination, our own sin nature teaches us to do one thing, yet God says something else. We're going to feel like using vulgar language at the workplace or around your friends. But what do we know? We know that God says your speech should be seasoned with salt to let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. You're going to be challenged. You might feel like it's in your best interest to go through a divorce. Yet the Bible says to us, it says that God hates divorce and He desires to be reconciled. We're going to feel like we should hold a grudge against someone in our family, someone from our past who has done us wrong. That's what we're going to feel. But the Bible says to forgive just as you've been forgiven by God. Beloved, we make so many mistakes when we lean on our own understanding. When we're wise in our own eyes. One commentator said it this way. The one who chooses his own way arrogantly claims that he knows better than God. And we've talked about this for a long time. There's what you feel and there's what you know. And when we set our feelings above what we know God says, that's arrogance towards God. That's our way speaking down to God. When in reality, we should take what God says and let that speak into our lives. And in doing that, we trust Him with all our heart and we don't lean on our own understanding. Thirdly, we should trust Him constantly. Yes, completely. Yes, selflessly. But thirdly, constantly. As the text says, in all your ways, acknowledge Him. In all your ways. That means in everything you do, constantly trust the Lord. And for you and for me, what does that mean? That means in everything we do, we need to take a step back and ask this question. Am I living a life today that is pleasing to God? Would God be honored and glorified in what I'm getting ready to do? Because if we're going to acknowledge God in all of our ways, we need to be asking that. Will God be honored in what I do today? Where? Well, at my work. Maybe in the way I manage my employees or as an employee in the way I report to my management. In my marriage, am I loving, striving to love my wife as Christ loved the church? Wives, are you loving and respecting your husbands? Parenting, are we disciplining and teaching our children as we should? 
in our recreation? Do we honor God in our stewardship, in our words, our communication to each other? Is our speech really seasoned with salt? Does unwholesome talk come out of our mouths? Abraham Kuyper said it this way. He said, in the total expanse of human life, there is not a single square inch of which the Christ, who alone is sovereign, does not declare, that is mine. That's lordship. As Paul says, I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. I serve Jesus Christ. That's lordship. So in all your ways, acknowledge God. When God opens a door in your life, acknowledge him. When God closes a door in your life, acknowledge him. There is nothing that happens to you that the sovereign God doesn't know about and permitted to be happen in your life. But then finally, trust him, as the text says, fearfully. Verse 7 says, fear the Lord. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It reminds you of chapter 1, verse 7, doesn't it? Let's go back and read that verse. Flip it a couple pages in your Bible. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Beloved, this is the foundation that the whole book of Proverbs is written on, the fear of God. What is that fear? It is a reverent awe for who God is and a worshipful response to what He has done. And the only way to have that fear is to know Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior, as your God. To recognize that God has numbered the hairs on your head, that He sustains all things, that He is sovereign over all things, that He loves you and He loves me like a good, good Father. Jesus says it this way. He says, if we ask God for bread... He's not going to give us a stone. If we ask God for a fish, He's not going to give us a serpent because our Father desires to give good things to His children. You know what that teaches us? It'd be foolish not to trust Him. People say, it's hard for me to trust God. But you read a text like this and you learn, you're foolish if you don't trust God. If we really believe what the Bible says about God, it would be foolish for us not to trust Him. And as 1 7 says, don't, don't be a fool. So, third and finally today, we've seen not forgetting but keeping, we've seen trusting in the Lord. Finally, we see not despising the Lord's. Discipline. Look at verses 11 and 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves whom he loves as a father of the son in whom he delights. What is your reaction to discipline? Maybe what was it growing up at your home? What is it now? Children, teenagers, what is your reaction to discipline? Is it something that you enjoy? Nobody really enjoys discipline. In fact, the Bible says that. Let's look at it. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. 
for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Okay, stop right there. We can identify with that. Discipline might seem painful in your life. The Bible says, yeah, it will. But let's keep going. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. God wants all of our hearts, but part of being under the lordship of Christ is that he is going to discipline those he loves. How do we receive that discipline? I'll tell you one other story. Several years ago, I taught a 10th grade Bible. And it was time to give a test. I prepared the students as best I could for the test. But on test day, I wasn't there. I had a substitute come in. So the following day, I come in, and uh, I go to the substitute, and I say, hey, you know, do you have the test? How'd it go? Oh, the tests are right here. Uh, she goes, but I had one problem. I go, oh, oh, no, what was the problem? She, she said, I had one young lady cheat on the test. I'm like, whoa, cheating on the Bible test. Whoa, it's not good. <laughs> it was online. No, we're cheating, stealing. I said, uh-oh. But she goes, we dealt with the young lady. She was sent to the principal's office. And, of course, a note went home to mom and dad. So <clears throat> I think it was the next day. We didn't have Bible every day. I think three out of the five days of the week. The next day came in, and um, before Bible class, I had the young lady come to my office to talk to her about this issue. And I was, before she came in, I was wondering what's going to be her reaction, Right? What's going to be her reaction? Because I know she was disciplined by the school, and I know the mom and dad, and so I know she was disciplined at home. What's going to be her reaction to me? Will she come in with an arrogant attitude, I can't believe you did this to me, or pouty, or I can't believe this happened? What's going to be her attitude? She comes in my office, and I'm telling you, she is broken. There are tears coming down her cheeks. Mr. Mumpower, I am so sorry. I acknowledge what I did. This, this was wrong. You know, it won't happen again. And, and I took that opportunity to talk to her about this verse right here. Because this verse says, For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Because that day, it was painful for her. She was, she was getting in trouble with the school. She was getting in trouble at home. It was not a pleasant day. It was not a good feeling, right? And I said to her, I want you to remember this feeling. Right now it's painful. But I said, sweetheart, you're in 10th grade. Learn the lesson right now about telling the truth so that later on this harvest of, of peaceful fruit and righteousness can come in your life. So you learn right now not to lie to your husband. You learn right now not to lie on your taxes. Because those types of punishments, those types of repercussions are going to be much worse than they are right now. You might think this is bad, but learn the lesson right now so later on there's a harvest of righteousness and peace in your life. Why? Because you've been trained by discipline right now. And beloved, God disciplines those he loves. If you're a child of God, God loves you so much that he will discipline you. 
it would be terrible if we went against him and yelled at him and wanted to fight him when he does that. Or a better response to be the, would be the, the same heart of this, this 10th grade girl, a heart of receiving it, learning from it, being trained by it. Because God is giving it to us because he loves us. We ask this question every time we preach Proverbs, can you see the end from the beginning? Ask this young lady, can you see the end from the beginning? Can you learn right now from, being, from going through discipline so that later on in your life you don't face severe penalties for what you do later on in life? Because this stuff's fixable. Learn from it now so that you don't get yourself on a route of something that's not, not as fixable. Beloved, let's close this morning. And as we do, let's ask... Let's ask him some questions. The first one's this. Are we giving the Lord all of our hearts or are we forgetting his commands? God says, write my commands on the tablet of your heart. Do not forget them, but keep them. Secondly, do you trust the Lord with your whole heart? Do we trust the Lord or do we compartmentalize our life like that unexpected guest that comes into our home? Do we say, Jesus, you can stay right here in the front of my house, but don't you dare walk in the back? Because this text teaches us to trust God completely with the whole heart, selflessly, not to lean on our own understanding, constantly, in all parts of life, and fearfully, knowing that if you ask Jesus for bread, he is not going to give you a stone. If you ask Jesus for fish, he's not going to give you a serpent. He is a good, good father, a good God. And do we despise the Lord when he disciplines us? Let us remember that discipline is a sign of fatherly care and that God wants our whole heart. Let's not compartmentalize our lives, but let's love him as he said with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. Pray with me, please.